right. Hello, everybody. And good morning. You have your books with you, page 181. That's where we're starting. Chapter 14, lesson 14. The healthy mind. What do you hear? What comes to mind? I'm going to start the conversation with this question. When you hear the word, the healthy mind, what comes to mind? Would you mind if I asked you what comes to mind when you hear the word, the healthy mind? Angel. Happy. Happiness? Yeah, so when you like, you're going to Gotcha, Mark? Things in the right perspective. All right, Frenchie? Reason. Reason. Reasonable. Louise? Content in any Contentment. So we got reason, contentment, perspective, happiness. These are all these are all really cool. These are also really cool things. Yeah. Well, let's dig into what that even looks like. So the introduction, the first pa uh, first paragraph, a lot of emphasis placed on health for sure. Um, the second sentence is great. Whenever the topic comes up, there's a lot of counsel about lifestyle and health. Yeah. Everybody's got an opinion on it. But at the same time, what do we do? What about the spiritual aspect of a healthy mind? Well, let's look at our let's look at our passage here, and I have it on our slide as well. First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve says, "You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything." First Corinthians six twelve. That's the New Living Translation. What does this mean? Me. You, it's the law of liberty, it's the design law. You can choose to do anything you yeah. want. But that doesn't mean whatever you choose to do is going to be good for you. Or the right thing. Or the right thing. Sarah, you had a hand up. Self-regulation. We're going to get into that also as we move forward with this, right? The last part of that, even though I'm allowed to do anything I want... Paul is writing here, I must not become a slave to anything. If you become a slave to something, what do you have? Imprisonment. Bunch of different words. <laughs> you have, Angel. You lose your freedom. You lose your freedom. <clears throat> Idling. You become a slave to something, you now have an addiction. So Paul is saying, you can do anything you want, but beware. It can lead to something much worse. It's not going to be good for you. Design law of sowing and reaping. The sec third paragraph down talks about, it goes back to cause and effect. We talk a lot about design laws. The design law of sowing and reaping is this. We reap what we sow. Not just in the fields, but in life. One cannot get grapes by sowing oats. And we cannot get critical reasoning skills, that was one of the things mentioned over here, I think Frenchie said that, by allowing others to think for us. For example, simply getting the correct answers from a textbook or teacher rather than figuring out those answers ourselves. This is why the Bible says that the mature are those who have trained their faculties by practice to be able to discern right from wrong. The Bible defines a healthy mind as someone who can determine right from wrong. Because they've exercised it. Now, 
we were doing a small group a long, several years ago, we had a small group at our house and there was a lady there who liked to ask a bunch of questions. She would ask me questions and I would never give her the answer. I would ask her a follow up question to make her think. And there's this true story. She got mad at me. She slammed her book down. She slapped her leg. She said, why won't you just give me the answer? It's a true story. And I said, because I want you to think about it. You learn nothing if you just get the answer, right? We're about healthy minds here. Well, this leads us to our next verse here in our book, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. This is why this is really important. Do not deceive yourselves. Pause right there. What? Don't deceive yourself? Wait a minute. I thought only other people lied to me. No. Don't deceive yourself. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. If you plant in the field of your natural desires, from it you will gather the harvest of death. If you plant in the field of the Spirit, from the Spirit you will gather the harvest of eternal life. The point is, God does not punish those who follow poor health practices. When I was a kid, I attended camp meeting at BMA, and they had a guest speaker with one arm. And this guest speaker told his testimony. And he believed that he got into the accident that what caused him to lose his arm. God did that to him because he ate a whole tub of ice cream. Wow. That was his testimony. Because he what? He ate a tub of ice cream. His testimony is, I ate all that ice cream. I know God wouldn't have wanted me to, so I got into this accident and lost my arm. I've had a lot of lost limbs, I think. <laughs> you and me both, sister. <laughs> so the point being, what you sow into your body for health, you will reap out of that body. God is not putting the consequences in you. God is not punishing you for that. That's the point. Let's flip our page over to page 182. Now, if you choose to live a healthy life, if you eat the right foods and you think the right thoughts and all these things, does that guarantee you long life? It doesn't. It doesn't guarantee you long life at all. Why? Because Romans 8, 22 says, all nature groans under the weight of sin, and there are accidents, natural disasters, right? People die. So just because you eat a healthy life doesn't mean you're going to have a long life. Go down to the bottom of the page, 182. The, the question that they're asking there, what would Jesus say to us today in America? <clears throat> That's in reference to Mark 7, 18 through 23. Jesus said, he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, and on and on and on and on. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Where do all of those things come from? That long list. 
thoughts, adulteries, fornications, wickedness, sin, seed. Where does all that come from? Sin nature. Where's your sin nature come from? In other words, it comes from your mind. The emphasis of our chapter today is the healthy mind. It comes from your mind. So from within you is what comes out. The reason Jesus talked about that back then is because during the Jewish time, contextually, they believed that actually what you ate corrupted the whole body in terms of like, sorry, I get my thoughts in order here to think about it. In order to be pure, you had to eat pure food, foods like kosher, like the Jewish tradition, kosher, stuff like that, right? They had a, they had a, they had a different, a different understanding of it. And Jesus, in this contextually, he's just trying to reorient their minds because you remember what we read in Galatians, don't deceive yourself. So the bottom paragraph on 182, there's some questions. Could what we eat and the lifestyle we live affect what comes from within. Can what we eat and the lifestyle we live affect what comes out of us? In other words, out of our minds. Could our diet and lifestyle have an impact on the way we think and our ability to make good decisions? Definitely. Could it affect even our spiritual life? What you eat affect your spiritual life? Why? Okay, can't think clearly with us. What if you have a poor diet and your energy level is down to the point that you can't serve and help and minister to others? So it could affect you physically in that way? So it's all connected, right? <clears throat> the most important reason for maintaining good health is not to live longer, even though a lot of people try to, but to protect and ensure that the brain and the mind, which is the control center of our being, is in the very best condition. We're going to get into that answer of why it's so crucially important here. There's some really interesting quotes here for those if anyone read ahead of time from some books here, Why God Won't Go Away, a couple things about MRIs and CT scans as they're starting to learn about the brain in this study. But I want to bring us down to page 183, the bottom paragraph, and I want to read this to us. Check this out. This is why having a healthy mind, a healthy brain, is so important. If God appeared to you in some incarnation, what does that mean? Bodily form. Thank you. Bodily form. God just showed up. You would have no way of experiencing his presence, except as part of a neurologically generated rendition of reality. That's a really fancy way of saying You've got to perceive him with your senses. And the only way that you can use your senses is for the brain to have connections to interpret those senses, right? You would need auditory processing to hear his voice, visual processing to see his face, and cognitive function to comprehend his meaning. That's thinking and understanding. And input from the brain's emotional centers to fill you with rapture and awe or fear. There's no other way for God to get into your head except through the brain's neural pathways. <clears throat> God cannot exist as a concept or as a reality anyplace else but in your mind. Even if there were a soul through which God could communicate, 
it would have little cognitive meaning to us without a brain. What do you think of that sentence? God cannot exist as a concept or as a reality any place else but in your mind. Agree or disagree? Um, like, it, as a concept, just something you're sort of trying to picture, or through your senses, it still happens there in your mind. Like that's how you make sense of things. Right. Louise? Yeah, my late friend had the idea that she um, associated something sort of a, it was used to be called multiple personalities. Okay. My friend had that and she wasn't having a good day one day and I got I think it was like six or seven different calls from her. Mm. All telling me the same thing. Mm. So, point being, and some other examples, I would think that some people may be too mentally sick to totally get things. 100%. Yeah, there is mental, there's mental illness, there's damage, there's, of course, absolutely. That doesn't mean they're not loving people, God doesn't love French. Sure. Sometimes there will be this weakness, you know, mm -hmm. that if you mental, I mean, brain is a weak. Yes. Some people say you think that it's true, and, and you don't. Know, I see the same language. Anna. Um, comprehension? The oh, comprehend, to understand? Yeah. Yeah, so someone could tell you, what I'm hearing you say is somebody could tell you something that's true, it's but you may not be able to understand or you, apply you, it. Your brain is not, um, you know, yes. true. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I get you though. I get you. You're not getting it's not clicking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's not clicking. You're like you got, simulate, like, Yes. Assimilate. Yeah, yeah. Your elevator doesn't like go that, to the top you know? floor. You know, I mean it's just it's one of those things. <laughs> you bring up a really good point, Frenchie, and that is the idea of law of exertion, which is exercise. And this is where we're gonna talk about more less in the idea of why it's important to have a healthy mind. By practicing, by understanding. Sarah shared on our text thread this week a really cool video of a doctor describing what happens in your brain if you consistently are thinking negative thoughts, negative perspective, constantly, how it erodes a trench in your brain. They've actually been able to see these things on MRIs, like the neural pathways in your brain actually become formed and it's like a super highway of negative thoughts. So when someone comes to you, Frenchie, and puts some truth in there, like a positive outlook on life, probably not gonna get it. Not gonna get it, why? Because you have practiced so long negative perspective that your brain, you're, you're reaping the consequence of that in your brain. So the best way to heal that is with three things, intention, effort, and focus. It's hard work, but you can eventually start creating a new pathway in your brain Effort, intention, effort, and focus. That's what it takes to try to start healing those things. You gotta plant something different in your brain. So flip the page here to 184. Understanding a little bit now why it's so important to have a healthy brain so that we can have a healthy connection with God and others. 
having a brain that is not healthy also impacts our ability for spirituality, for church, for religion, to connect with God and connect with others. Second paragraph, it is a well-known fact that alcohol and drugs can cause problems with the brain's ability to function. But we may not realize that things like, check this list, overeating, certain kinds of foods, lack of fresh air, lack of sunshine, and exercise can also pose a health risk, which in turn will also cause problems with the brain's ability to function properly. For example, if your arteries are restricted, you can't get the blood flow, your brain can't get the oxygen, you feel sluggish. It doesn't only affect your heart, but it also affects your brain. There's a really cool book, Exploring the World of Psychic Powers. Fernando, I'm not even going to say that last name, Chai? 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 He writes this, a lack of blood flow to the brain induce the hypnotic states. Now this is really important. I want you guys to try to really grasp this idea. A lack of blood flow to the brain induce the hypnotic state. The activity of the control centers of the cerebral cortex, that's right in your forehead, is suspended. And one's individual consciousness and willpower are therefore replaced by those of the frontal cerebral region of the brain of the other person, the hypnotist. How do we say this as if you're talking to a Labrador retriever? You don't have proper oxygen blood flow to the brain then if someone's trying to influence your mind, they will be able to do that. Parts of your brain actually shut off, and what that other person wants of you begins to be in your mind when you begin to operate from that point. The lack of blood to the brain makes it easier for someone else to get into your head. What's the next sentence? Satan can get in your head this way. What does Satan want the most of all? What is his number one goal? What does Satan want? To be followed. To be followed. To be worshipped as God. To set himself up in your temple, proclaiming himself to be God, and you worship God. Him as God. What does that mean? That means Satan doesn't want you to have a healthy mind. Satan doesn't want you to get good fresh air and sunshine and exercise and a healthy diet. Satan doesn't want you to have a healthy brain. Satan wants you to be on a substance that will alter your mind and your brain so you can't think clearly. Why? He can trick you. So he can trick you. So Satan can get in your head. Good comment, Luis, yeah. Ultimate goal though is to just hurt the Christian church. So he's gonna do it to anybody and everybody. That's the Christian voice. Thanks for sharing. Let's look at some Bible text about the mind. These are some good stuff here on 185. Luke 10, 26-27, he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, Shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. I have Romans 7.25 up here on screen because I think it's really good. This is from 
NIV version, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to this. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, wait a minute. Didn't Paul just say a few verses ago, not all things are good for me. Some things, if I do them, I'll become a slave to them. But now he's saying, praise God, I'm a slave to God. There's a, there's a doctor, his name's Dr. Ted Roberts. He does a lot of work in like the marriage and individual recovery zones. He says we were created to be addicted to Jesus. <laughs> we were created to be addicted to Jesus. So I highlighted two words in this, or, or you know, two different phrases in this. I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. What the heck is the law of sin? <clears throat> Dr. Tim Jennings from Come and Reason Ministries kind of defines it this way. The law of sin and death. This is also known as survival of the fittest. The principle of fear-driven selfishness that infects the world. This is Satan's law. The strong dominate and exploit the weak. It is the violation of the law of love and liberty. And it also has predictable results, which are pain, suffering, eventually death. Wait a minute. Um, we talked about pain as being a symptom of one that would be healing. Symptom yes. of healing. Absolutely. Right, but that's saying the law of sin and death produces pain. Yeah, but this is going the other direction. So that's a great question. So let's let's process for a little bit. Luis is a great question. The law of sin and death produces pain. But healing also produces pain. So how can those things be true at the same time? How is that possible? Anybody have some ideas? Sarah. So the pain in that moment is coming because you're coming out of Is not being created because of the good things, but the good that you're creating, it's because you're having to move the old stuff out of the way. Because what causes the pain? Okay, angel. Yeah, it's like a you have a have an addiction. Okay. So you look through the pain, you see the problem. Okay. You know, on the same point is that you know it's painful coming <clears throat> into a sober mindset, mm -hmm. dealing with realities that mm -hmm. is surrounding you, mm -hmm. but that's also the pain of growth. Mm -hmm. Same thing like when you're healing from you get a big cut yes. and it aches. Well, you're you're healing. Your body is going through the process of 
So what I'm hearing everyone saying, and see if this connects with you, Louise, in a broken world, all, remember Romans, all, all the world groans with the weight of sin. Okay, when Adam and Eve believed the lie about God, they were changed. Since all the world groans in the weight of sin, that means there's pain everywhere. We are outside what God designed us to be to begin with. But the pain you're experiencing is leading you one direction or the other. You can be experiencing pain because I refuse to stop smoking and now I have lung cancer. Or you can choose pain to say, I want to stop smoking cigarettes and it's leading me toward health. There's pain on either side of that. But what are you pursuing? Where are you going? Where is your intention? Where is your effort? Where is your focus? I can tell you right now that it doesn't hardly take any effort, any intention, or any focus to go down the route of pain that leads to death. Selfishness, more sin, more selfishness, more fear, more exploitation of others. That's super easy. Why? Psalms 51.5, because we were born that way. But to go the other way and experience pain of growth, healing, truth, as Mark said, reality, that's hard. And that hurts, because healing hurts. Thank you. Welcome. 2 Corinthians 8, 12, continuing with our lesson here. If, for if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. That's a tough verse, I think. How do you understand that? Or 1 Peter 1, 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a profound text. In other words, Peter here is saying, what does gird up your loins? What does that mean? Tighten your belt. You know what I mean? Cinch up your boots. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Prepare your mind and be sober. Clear-headed. Clear thinking. Why? Because Satan's trying to get in your head. Be clear-headed and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means Jesus is coming. And when Jesus comes, you'll either be ready to receive him or you won't. There's some really cool illustrations in the lesson here that talked about Jesus at the crucifixion. When he was there on the cross, they brought to him wine sour wine mingled with gall to drink and matthew 27 34 says but when he had tasted it he would not drink it jesus wouldn't drink it he said i don't want no parts of that now here's a guy that has been scourged he's been shredded open physically he's in pain but more importantly in the garden of gethsemane he was under so much anguish emotionally that he was bleeding from his forehead the angels came to minister to him and they offered him a drink that could numb the senses just a little bit to make it a little more comfortable. And Jesus said, I don't want any of it. No thanks. Why? What's Satan want to do? <clears throat> Satan wants to get in your head. So he's got to get you to get some stuff shut down here. We've got to numb this out. <clears throat> sure. Jesus, at that point, was in a situation that he needed every single faculty that he had. If he had numbed and allowed Satan to get in there at all, I think the whole plan would have gone. 
You're exactly right. And I think to add to what you said, Sherry, um, the book Education has this really cool quote about, you know, the student must learn to view and understand reality from the perspective of the great controversy, which means the truth about God and how Satan is trying to corrupt the truth about God. And how every decision we make is either for or against. So to your point, I think every moment of our lives is that crucial moment because it's based off of those little choices that we make determine the direction we go. Sarah, you had a hand up? I think this point here about him refusing something that would you know, potentially bend the pain to a certain degree um, kind of gives a uh, verification, right, that like healing, right, to your point, Louise, that healing will include pain, right? Like he chose to continue in the pain even though he was given options out of it, you know, but he knew that he had to continue experiencing pain to get past that and to, you know, and give opportunity that came out of it. To heal the sin condition in humanity, because all humans were born in sin conceived in iniquity, Jesus was born human, but also fully God. So to heal that, that rupture, he had to endure that pain. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So further down on page 186, um, we start getting into a few other reasons why this is really important. There are a number of reasons why it's especially, especially critical for us to to try to understand what health looks like for a healthy mind. Number one, it builds a strong immune system to ward off you know, disease and germs and all these other things. Number two, to be perceptive and focused to understand what's true and what's not true. That's what Frenchie was talking about a little bit before. Can you repeat that last sentence, please? Yes, it's important for us to have a healthy mind because, if you look at the bottom of page 186, number two, because every wind of doctrine, that's a biblical term, Ephesians 4.14 is, is running around. We need to be perceptive and focused to discern the truth and the false. What, did, what does Hebrews 5.14 say? But the mature are those who develop by practice the ability to understand what's true and what's false. They did a study, they did a study, a, a global study where they, they, from 100 different countries, and they studied young teenagers, and the result of that study came back, I'd have to, I'd have to find the source to share for anybody who wants to hear it, but the result of the study came back saying that 90% could not differentiate. 90% couldn't tell the difference from opinion and fact. They couldn't tell the difference from opinion and fact. It was huge. What does Satan want? He doesn't want you to understand facts and truth. Right? Because how does the Holy Spirit work? Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, the Holy Spirit works that he's still a small voice. This is the way. Walk in it. And that still small voice is hard to hear. Part of your brain shut down because of some lifestyle choices that you make. And number three, if our mind is clouded due to contaminated or improper blood flow, 
we may be not able to correctly understand God's word and instead be open to Satan's subtle delusions and temptations. This may lead us to make poor decisions and in the end, be lost by it. And here's what's even worse. Nobody wants this to happen. Perhaps even worse, we may confuse someone else and cause them to be lost. The stakes are high, folks. I don't know if anybody here wants that. And lastly, number four, we all need self-control, which is the power of the mind over the body. Self-control is a great, here, here's how I understand self-control. Self-control is this, the ability to tell yourself what to do and make yourself do it. That's self-control. Tell yourself what to do and make yourself do it. Right about that, Pastor. I agree with that. I'm telling you because sometimes, boy, you can you can make the wrong decisions, boy, and you'll find yourself, oh Lord, what what am I doing here? Hey. And the sin is is something I'm telling you. Back away from it. Don't fall for the devil's tricks. I'm telling you, don't fall for it. Because he'll try to lead you in stuff you can't get out of. Right. Don't fall for it. Innocent. Don't fall for it. Because he's tricking you. Don't do it. Thank you, Jerry. Stay away from it. Going to Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why is self-control the last one listed? I got my own opinion on that, but Sarah. I don't think you can have any of the other ones if you don't have self-control. Whoa, self-control is the foundation for the rest. And how can you find if you're only out for yourself? Well said. How can you be faithful if you're only out for yourself? My view, self-control is listed last because it's the hardest one to grow in and mature in. It's the most difficult one to have. How about it? Self-control is the power of mind over body, the ability to do what's best regardless of how much our sin nature may want to do other things. What's really awesome about this paragraph here is that as we gain in self-control, as we grow in self-control, we're looking at, you know, second big paragraph up from the bottom on page 187. God has created us as free beings with the ability to choose. It is not God's will that the Holy Spirit control us. That is not God's will. The Spirit will teach us, convict us, warn us, but he will not control us. God wants us to have self-control, to have the ability to freely make wise decisions without being coerced in any way. In order to do that, we need not only to be well-informed, but have a healthy mind, and that is God's will for us. Gotta have a healthy mind. You have a comment, Crunchy? No, that was me. Oh, sorry. No problem. I know if anybody wanted an example, but give I comfort you and some of us. Um, somebody gave me one of those little tray of cookies with the chocolate on the bottom and the chocolate stripes across. You're killing me so with that, that now. I wouldn't, <laughs> so that I wouldn't get sick because I needed something to eat for my mess. Sure. But anyway, I ate some 
And I, at that point, I didn't care if I ate the whole container. Um, then something kept nagging me, and then I ended up not eating them. Okay. Wow. And I gave them to my neighbor. Well done. Thank nice. you, Sharon. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. So, so let's get into, and, and this is where things are going to get a little bit real, I think, because Luis just opened a can of worms, which is good. So <laughs> the following are seven basic keys to a healthy body and mind. We're going to start on page 188. I, I also have them up here for us to just be, you know, maybe to look at them. So, can, can I say something? Say, yes. Before you start with this page. Yes. I don't know. Do I need to have a God and a evil at the same time to be part of this work? I'm sorry. Okay, we talk about the about the about the evil, about Satan, about Satan. I know that I told you this uh, the last time turn of picture, we're gonna talk about that. Why Jesus why Jesus, why God yep. let things happen? Yeah. Especially with this guy. Yeah. This evil guy. Yeah. So my question is do I need to have God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, plus the evil and the other side? So do you read my part of this word? All right. Jesus, you know, not this word. All right. So <clears throat> thank you for your question. Martin, do you have an answer? I do. Uh, and, well, this is just my version of this, is that you're surrounded by sin by default. I know. But Jesus and, and studying and, and learning to be more like Jesus gives you an answer out of that. Amen. So it's it does go hand in hand. And the more you go towards Jesus is the more Satan will try to pull you back. And so that is the great controversy. I know it's time. I'm, you know, don't take me wrong with that controversy. I know it's time. I believe that maybe I can count with the fingers on my hand with one. How many people turn to Jesus just like that? Yeah, that happened, right? Also, that happened to me. I'm, I'm still not feeling nothing. I'm sorry. So there's, but that doesn't stop me. That's right. Mm -hmm. So so you have to, and so you, what you're talking, and we talked about this last week, and I know you weren't feeling well, and that's okay. Uh, maybe we can get with, send you the link, you can listen to the recording about that process of healing and growth. You know, we talked about it through the 12 steps recovery process. It was really cool. We'll send you the link to listen to it if you have the ability, yeah. and that might answer some of your questions. That'll work. We'll send okay. it to you. Okay, so. Back to the seven keys to a healthy body and mind. Number one, rest. Hashtag, this guy likes to sleep. <laughs> Anybody else like to sleep? Yeah, we all like to sleep. Yeah, yeah. But it's getting too much sleep. Yeah. Rest. No. No, it's not. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing, right? So there's there's good rest. There's I mean, people can sleep. I have sleep apnea. I have to sleep with a CPAP machine. Before I was diagnosed with sleep apnea, I slept six to eight hours, five to seven hours every night. Does that mean I'm getting good rest? No way. In fact, it led to a very much shut down mind. Now here's my story. That shut down mind would make me tired all day long. So I'd start drinking 11 cups of coffee. That's fact check. When that didn't work, I started dipping chewing tobacco. Because now with 11 cups of coffee and nicotine, now maybe I can function throughout the day. Well, I can do anything I want, but not everything's good for me. And guess what I became a slave to? 
tobacco, 11 cups of coffee. Yeah? Well then, man, now nah, I'm amped up at the end of the day. I've been chewing all day long. I've been drinking all this coffee. I need to wind down. There's a 12-pack of beer. Let's just drink a bunch of beer then. That'll help me calm down. How many back to sleep? Now maybe, you know, on the weekends, we're working at the house and I'm all jittery and I can't calm down. Well, I'll smoke some weed then. That'll just help me just know my God. Now there's a time in my life when all of you knew me within the last five years that I was a heavy drinker, massive amounts of coffee, chewing tobacco, and smoke weed and level myself up. There were times when we were at the old location that I was preaching a sermon with chewing tobacco in my lip. It's just, you know, just to be, you know, just like Angel said, because without it, I had zero control over my emotions. Smoke a cigarette, man. When I was a I teenager. When I was a teenager. <laughs> now, how does all of that connect and affect this idea to be clear so that God can work through you and to heal you? So rest. We'll start at the top. Rest. Seven to eight hours of good sleep. Avoid overworking. Strategic napping. And Sabbath. Sabbath. Number two, pure water. Drink fresh water. So many people don't drink any water. I know somebody who, they won't drink water, they just drink sodas nonstop. Coffee has water in it, right? <laughs> that's good. Frenchie, you have a comment quick. No. That's You're just saying that's you. Water. Yes. Water. That's right. That's water. <laughs> no. Okay. Our body is 75% water. What happens to your body if you don't drink it? You dry out. Yeah. I'm 25. Your vertebrae. Mark. Mark can, uh, Mark can attest to this. All the discs between your spine full of water. Essentially, there's a lot of water in there. You don't drink water. and you. Anybody here have back pain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I drink water. Same here. Well, I've got... I'm in denial here. No. <laughs> you don't drink water, all them discs, they dry out, and your back goes, <laughs> and all your nerves go up on fire. Right? Number three, sunlight. Man, sunlight, best source of vitamin D. Oh, get out in the sun. Not too long because you get sunburned. So we've got to do that in moderation. Frenchie. You know about the sunlight? You said vitamin D? Yeah. You're not gonna have an eating disorder and a sleeping disorder. Yeah. It's driving me crazy, especially yeah. the sleeping disorder. So, uh, who was this physician? I was doing something in this Morris hospital, and he told me, you know what? You always complain about sleeping and this and that. That's vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Spend half an hour sitting in your in your steps, or your uh, sun. main door, on the sun. And you, uh, I started doing that like maybe one, two weeks. And let me tell you something. Works. feeling better thank you for the story thank you for your testimony thank you that's amazing uh number four fresh air see this one's overlooked we just stay in our homes we don't go out you know or we, or we just we're in the city around a lot of car pollution and just a lot 
some fresh air, get where there's some green trees. A lot of people don't know how to breathe. A lot of people just take little breaths from up here, right? Deep belly breaths from down here. Fill it up. And here's another thing that's amazing about deep breathing. There's, a, there's something called your vagus nerve, not like we're going to go gambling. Vagus nerve runs on the inside of your spinal cord and goes all the way up into your brain. When you take deep belly breaths, you put pressure on the vagus nerve by your diaphragm, and it actually calms you down. It's, it's a, it's mood is regulation. It is it relieving? Yeah. The active exercise? Exercise. Number five. Oh, man. Exercise. <laughs> what work? What counts? What doesn't? Some people say, well, I work an active job. Does that, does working an active job count as exercise? No. No. Uh, what do you I mean it doesn't count as exercise? Yeah. I would say it would. All right. All right. What if you had to walk? Your body needs a steady rhythmic function, like swimming, like walking. If you're on your feet, you're moving boxes, yes, you are getting exercise. You are working certain muscles, but you're not getting that long term rhythmic effect of pumping your lymphatic system, getting rid of the poisons, and allowing your body to process through all of the damage we do to ourselves with eating ho-hos and tasting cakes and all that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so it, it's, that, that's the steady exercise that you, you need. Uh, just walking around a room and lifting this and doing that, it's not steady, it's not repetitive, and your body doesn't look at that as exercise, it looks at it as so when I, before I got into truck driving, which is definitely not exercise, and then when I got in, before I got into that, I was a bricklayer mason for a few years, for a while. One of the hardest physically demanding jobs you can have is a mason. We had gentlemen on the crew who were 150, 200 pounds overweight, diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, the most insanely unhealthy, and they laid block and brick and fight scaffold all day long. Why? Well, here's the answer. That's to do with your heart rate and your breath rate. You have an active job, but your heart rate's not going up and your breath isn't speeding up to the point, here's the key, to the point where it's uncomfortable to have a conversation. Like you could still talk if you needed to, but when I was at work today, I, I tripped over a rock and fell. If you exercise and you're active to the point where you can talk if you had to, but it's uncomfortable, that's exercise. But if you're not ever getting to that point, it doesn't matter if you have an active job or not. Aerobics training. Aerobics training, things like that. So I think that's what I'm hearing Mark say a little bit too. It, it gets your body into that cycle, okay, into that zone. Um, further on down here, this is really interesting about the lack of exercise. Tobacco is the primary non-genetic contrib contributor to death in the US, among other things. It doubles the chance of having a stroke. But here, check this out. Poor diet and lack of exercise are second. Mm. Alcohol abuse is third. Microbes and viruses just in fourth. So, score another point for healthy living. Half of all fatal cancers are linked to poor diet, smoking, and lack of exercise. Check that out. Lack of exercise. Let's go to number six. 
stimulant-free, drug-free life. Now, I, I need to be honest and transparent with you guys. When I read this lesson and I got to this point, I thought to myself, my coffee pot's brewing. Man, I need my caffeine this morning. I'm going to get a headache. Why are we serving coffee and caffeine at church? That was the second thought I had. Why? According to this survey, heavy coffee drinkers face a 40% greater risk of heart attack than non-drinkers. I learned a while back that, um, oh, if you drink so much coffee, there's a medical diagnosis of uh, caffeine-induced anxiety. Believe that. Believe that. Check out the one right below it on page 189. Self Magazine said that we found that caffeine impaired recall ability by 20%. You ever find yourself like, I can't find that word? Ah, oh. what, does we go with the coffee? Is that Alzheimer's? Could be. Could be. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's okay, it's okay. It could be the coffee, it could be the weed. Yeah. It could be, you know. Age. Yeah, it could be age. Yeah. Age. So the point being, there's so many factors that dull our senses, slow the mind down, shut it down, because who wants to get in your head? Satan. Satan wants to get in your head. And God does too. That's the hard way, huh? Second paragraph on page 190, the bottom sentence there says, a Christian who is truly sincerely seeking to know God better will abstain from using things or any mind-altering drugs. Why? It should be very obvious the answer to answer that question. Have a healthy mind. Nutritious food. Uh, vegetarian diet. That's one aspect of it. But this is the last two here on the slide here. Eat foods that leave you feeling light and energetic. Avoid foods that make you feel bloated and sluggish. How do you know? Because everybody's body's different, right? Ellen White writes in one of her books that her eating beans is like poison. She would not eat beans because it was like poison to her body. Gluten allergies, lactose intolerance stuff. So in other words, in a broken world, principle-based living, eat what's healthy for you. But what's healthy for you may not be healthy for the next person. Okay? Anybody here eat food recently that left them feeling bloated and sluggish? I can tell you that last night, talking about compulsive eating, I was on the way home from work, and I was hungry, and I love peanut M&Ms. <laughs> and I got a bag of peanut M&Ms that was about that big, and I ate the whole bag as fast as I could. Oh, no. <laughs> this was last evening. By the time I got home, this shape was rounder than it normally is, and it, it hurt. I was going like this. Chocolate, sugar. That's what happens for not sharing. You want that. Wait, was that God because your belly's sore? Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Man, sluggish and bloated. But the point is, you know, we're so far removed from creation. God originally designed our bodies to, to operate on a healthy diet of fruits, nuts, vegetables, leafy greens. You know, but sin, we're in a broken world. Okay, so, so the point is, for me, that's why I really like the last two lines there. Eat a food that leaves you feeling light and energetic. 
It means your body likes it. It's healthy. But Satan wants you to eat foods that leave you feeling bloated and sluggish because I just want to go home and take a nap. There you go. That's tryptophans and turkey. <laughs> How about all that? So in closing, page 191, it is a fact that the health of the body has a direct impact on the mind and our spiritual well-being. That following the right health principles promote mental superiority and intellectual power. Does anybody here not want mental superiority or intellectual power? Does anybody here want to be stupid? <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes you want to be stupid because yeah, then people won't come ask you questions. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> so in closing, first John chapter one or third John chapters one verse two said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Be in health, a clear mind. All of us know in our hearts, myself included, the caffeine, the coffee, the M&Ms, the overeating, the sugar sometimes that I crave. Why? Stressed out. All of us know in our hearts the things that we are doing that we know limits our mind function, dulls us, numbs us, closes us down. And I just hope that we all just keep that in our mind so that that's what Satan wants. Because he's also trying to get in our heads. So push back against that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this talk, for the conversation, for the truth about having a healthy mind. And I just want to open up and just ask Lord Jesus for strength that the next time I see a big bag of peanut M&Ms that I better share. <laughs> or just, you know, go for the, the, the nuts that don't have the chocolate on. And uh, may you just speak to all of our hearts, Lord, around this circle today. And, and just give us that ability to... You know, what kind of pain do we want? Do we want pain that leads to further de decay and death? Or do we want the pain of growth and healing? And, and a more vibrant, vital sense of health and, and well-being that moves us closer to you. Thank you for the Sabbath. In your precious name we pray.